Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Dr. Emily Latran is a general dentist who owns two multi-specialty group practices in Southern California. As a mother of three, Dr. Latran creatively balances work, family life, after-school life, and her personal life as a growing entrepreneur. As an author of several books, she is also a certified high-performance coach dedicated to help professionals maximize their potential in their personal and business life, streamline business and increase profits, winning back time from work so that they can enjoy that time with their family, children, and pursue their passion. Dr. Latran is the founder of the nonprofit, the Emily Latran Foundation, dedicated to providing basic dental care to veterans and families of disadvantaged backgrounds in her monthly free dentistry day. So I want to introduce everyone to my wonderful friend, Dr. Emily Latran, and I kind of want to start off with how we met. I know that we were both part of knowing people in this women's entrepreneurship group that was global. And I don't know about you, but some of these connections that I made in that group have helped me so much over the past years in life, in business, and even making more connections and keeping me accountable. Some of these relationships, you, for instance, some of our friends that we have in common, Lisa Copeland and Regine Corona and Sherry Matthews, Sharon Lecter, all these amazing, amazing women that we got to know. I got to know you through all of this as well. So I'm just thankful that I know you. I have heard your story. I want you to share your story with my listeners and tell me a little bit more about you and what you do first. And then we'll dive into some other questions after that. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Natalie, for having me on your show. It's an honor. I really do enjoy our friendship, even though it's virtual (laughs) a lot of times. It's Facebook Messenger and commenting on each other's posts and congratulating each other on doing something new and more and more achievement. And a big part of what both of us do is giving back to our community. And it's actually one of the reasons why I feel compelled to always look for ways to give back wherever I'm at at whatever stage I am in life. I think it's probably because of my story. I was actually born in Vietnam back in the late 60s during the Vietnam War. So I grew up seeing images of war. My family members, we got cousins that fought for the Northern communist Vietnamese, and then we have cousins who fought with the uh, Americans. And just like any other family in a war-torn country. In 1975, the Vietnam War ended, life changed for the worse. the communists come in and there's a lot of scarcity, you don't have enough food to eat, you stand in line to get whatever the government was willing to sell to you. And so I grew up in that environment knowing how it feels 
do not have enough to appreciate every little thing that we may have. I write in my book called From Refugee to Renaissance Woman, and I wrote about the six of us in our extended family. And every year, my aunt would bake one cake, a plain cake. Usually, we just pick my oldest brother's birthday as the day, and then we just sing happy birthday, and it's for all of us. There's the little things that you have that you enjoy, that you remember. And after that, I left the country. We escaped because Vietnam was going to go to war with China in the north and Cambodia in the west. And my aunt decided to take her kids and two other cousins and my older brothers to flee from the country because they were going to draft all the young men to go to war again. And my dad sent me along because I was the, quote, oldest person in the family. And this was after my mom had passed away a couple of years before that. So when I left, I left my dad. I left my two younger siblings there, and I never had a chance to see him again because after that, he passed away, and we did not have the normal relationships between the two countries, Vietnam and the U.S., so there was no possibility of going back and visiting him. And so my whole life, it was about struggles, overcoming difficulties, and, and I was very blessed to have received a lot of help. When you come to the country as a refugee, you don't have anything. So my aunt got housing, and in high school, I got free lunches, even though I did stand in the line of the free lunch and looking at all the kids driving out to get in and out burgers. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever you get, right? Yeah. When you, you receive and you feel blessed. And I know that there's only one way to go, which is to go up, because we're starting at the bottom. And so I went to undergrad. I got scholarships. I got grants. I went to dental school. I got scholarships. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to stop I, you there. How did you get all the resources to do that and to get the scholarships? Because that's huge. That is well, huge. Most of the scholarships are based on uh, merit. Mm-hmm. So if you if you do well in school, and, and I was very lucky. I put in a lot of hours. I stay up late to learn English along with everything else being taught to me in school. So I actually graduated from high school valedictorian. So when I went to undergrad, I got scholarship. And this is back in the 80s, so there were a lot more grant money than now. So then I work, and when spring break is coming up, before that spring break start, I already line up a job for myself. So I would work during spring break, I worked during summer break, I worked during Christmas break. Then when I went to dental school, I also got scholarship, and I got some grant money, and then I took out some loans. In Westwood, near UCLA, we were in a one-bedroom apartment with five of us. And sometimes we at the six, where one of my friends was a medical student. So sometimes she does a rotation and she would just crash on our couch. And when you have the basic, right? Mm-hmm. You look at life and you say, what are the basic things that I need? Food and water and a place to sleep. Okay, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You know, yeah. I should just keep my mind on studying and doing my best. And so I can graduate, get a good job and help the family. Mm-hmm. So because I received so much, that I'm lucky to be in this country where there's abundance, there are systems that help some of us who are less fortunate. When I graduated, I knew that when I have a chance, I want to give back. So when I have my dental office, I would treat the patients who come in. Maybe they don't have a lot of money and you give them the discount and you let them make payments and then you don't remember to collect. You know? <laughs> because when they come in, they remind you of you, right? right? I remember when I first came, if we wanted to go to the dentist, there was this one lady who would come and just pick up several families 
in the car and just take all of us to the dentist. And basically, you're there for the whole day because she just dropped us off. Oh, wow. And then the dentist would treat several families. And, you know, those are the things that I remember that, you know, there was somebody that I didn't really know who had the heart to do that, right? For us, because we're not part of her family. We didn't go to her church or anything. So that's how I feel. I feel like when you give back, things will come around for you, right? Mm -hmm. People say it's karma or whatever it is, but you just do good. And then one day I was at a dental seminar and there was a doctor who talked about his nonprofit called Dentistry from the Heart, which is giving one day of free dentistry to the community. And just open your door and whoever walks in, you're going to treat them. And so I signed up to be on that program and I was on that program for two years. And then I just thought, you know, I don't need to be part of that program. I can just do my own thing. So once a month, we open our door to do free dentistry for the community. I started my nonprofit and I'm thinking in the future, I can also use a nonprofit, maybe give out free coaching to help, Mm -hmm. you know, young entrepreneurs, people who may need a little push, right? little jump start so they can go on and run their business. So I think we live in such a wonderful country that everybody can give back. But that's how I see mm-hmm. it. And especially my colleague, I'm a dentist, so a lot of my dentist friends, I know they can all give back. And that's really also one of my reasons for going out there and talking. Because once I can build a little bit influence, and I can connect with influencers and be able to get on platform like yours mm-hmm. here, then I can share that and I can encourage people to give back. I tell people, you don't need to go very far and go do a mission because sometimes it's a little bit prohibiting time and traveling. And when I went to my dental mission in Costa Rica, I brought my kids. So there yeah. were four of us and my team. But you can just do it right there, just right in your backyard like mm-hmm. for us. It's just another day in the office, but now we're treating the people, the underserved, or the veterans. I don't want people to think that it's so complicated that you need to think about, oh, is this tax deductible? Right, <laughs> right. Those things that we tend to think about when we're in business. Mm-hmm. If you want to give, just give, because I think that's what makes it fulfilling in your heart, and it just makes life a lot more meaningful to you. I think that's part of my reason for giving because I have received so much and I'm just lucky that I was able to take what I got given and leverage that and become the person I am today. Well, it's funny because you think about when I introduced you, Dr. Emily Latran, you think, okay, a dentist and you're so much more. But after just hearing what you just said, it seems everything that you're doing, like dentistry, yes. That's your trade. That's what you got trained for. But that's kind of on the side because really the bigger picture for you is being able to attend dental conferences where you can kind of get on stage. But it's not really to push the dental practice, but it's to allow people to see this is what my story is. My story is my whole life. And I'm actually wanting to show people that because of my life and because I'm able to give back, I want other people to be able to learn that because you own a couple of successful dental practices. You're a successful business coach, a speaker, an author, a mom. But really what really inspires me is that you get up there and you tell your story and you share whatever conference you're at, because I've seen you speak at a couple different places. But the main thing is what you teach. You're teaching people not only to be successful, but the reason why it's so important to be successful is to manage your time so that you're able to spend time with your family. 
Like that's a whole different spin on everything. It's not just to be (laughs) successful. It's not just to make money. But you're teaching people because it is so important to you that people manage their time to be able to spend time with their family. The one event that I heard you speak at was the Activate Purpose event in LA. And that's what you said. You came up there and we were joking around back and forth because you said, you know, number one, I'm a mom and I'm the best mom. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right. you know. <laughs> but then after your talk and after listening to you, it made sense why you're so adamant about that way that you introduced yourself initially. You didn't introduce yourself as right. a coach or being a dentist. You introduced yourself as the number one mom. <laughs> So it's so incredible. You know, share with my listeners, what helps you decide when and where to put your energy? Because you just mentioned all of these different things. I mean, yes, you've done some mission work and you have your practices and you coach and you authored and your mom and your kids are incredible as well. So how are you able to manage this energy and really hold true to what you're teaching people about really staying connected to the family. Because I feel like for a lot of entrepreneurs out there, that's what they give up is they are chasing the success and their dream and their passion, but they forget about the family. And I think that is so important that I want you to touch upon and how you balance that. Yeah. And thank you for asking me that. I think, especially if you're a parent, whether you're a mom or you're a dad, I believe that family always come first because That's where your success starts. To me, and I'm biased, obviously, but I can't call somebody a success if they lose success in in business and they just kind of abandon their family. That's my view. I like to see their kids being healthy and happy, the spouse taken care of. I even go so far as do they take care of their parents? Do they respect their parents? Some people preach one thing and do another thing. And I think for you to have that clarity that what's most important to you, if you say family, like for a lot of Asians, it's the extended family, right? Yeah. You're going to a conference, but if there's a birthday of your nephew, you better get there. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and attend the birthday just because the rest of the family is there. Yeah. And I see the difference in that because, for example, my husband, he comes from a very much sort of a nuclear family, just the parents and the kids, and they're more like that. And my family... Over here, even though we only have our aunt over here, but a bunch of cousins, it's always about the big family. Like, everybody needs to get together. Christmas, Thanksgiving, wherever you plan, you better just stay away from those days because you're (laughs) expected to be there. And I think from that, what you do is you build that sense of family with your kids. And then your kids grow up and they know family is important. Because I think when you have a root and you have the support, you will tend to support other people more. If I feel fulfilled with my family and happy with my family, then I can give the time to the community because my heart is full with the family. Now let's go and fulfill my heart with the community. And as far as where you put your time, where you put your energy, you need to decide what's most important. I talked to an entrepreneur one time And she said she's overwhelmed. And I think she said because she's involved in 10 different organizations, boys and girls club, and then she says, be a night, whatever it is, 10 different things. But she's very, very busy and she's exhausted. And I just asked her one question. I said, tomorrow, if you can only do one thing, what would you do? And her answer had nothing to do with those organizations. Wow. 
And I told her, I said, well, you know what, maybe you can cut back on some of those. And she has a different angle because she says she works in the loan industry. She specifically told me that she deals with a lot of greed. People want to make more money and, and more money and that kind of mentality. So she feels like she needs to go and do all these things here with these organizations to make her feel better. And that is a coping mechanism. And I think I would encourage a lot of us as entrepreneurs, sometimes we should look at what we're doing, because sometimes we're just trying to cope. I, I don't want to go clean my desk, so I think I'm going to go start something else. Right. <laughs> so I can avoid cleaning my desk, and then I'll go do something else. I still feel like I'm productive, but I'm, right, I'm avoiding exactly. that task. I had clients who say, I'm very, very busy working, and then I want to have time to exercise. And then as I'm working, I just grab some snack. There's no congruence there. Why don't you cook lunch, prepare a couple of lunch, and you take it with you. So then if you want to be healthy and you're working and you're busy, you have your lunch that you have already prepared and you know that it's good for you. And you can satisfy both of that, your exercise, keeping healthy, and you can still do the work. So a lot of times when people say they're overwhelmed, they don't have enough time, I think the majority of the time is because they don't get real clear in what's most important. Right. Maybe it's three or four people, things, projects that you need to devote right. your time to. And then you prioritize that. And also, you have to put it on your calendar. If you don't put it on the calendar, it's just not going to happen. Oh, yeah. I I'm, can't live right without now, a calendar. Right now, I'm writing a book with one of my friends. We're going to call it No BS Dentistry for Dental <laughs> Peeps, right? <laughs> It's supposed to be a funny book. He's very sarcastic. And I'm very sarcastic. So we're just going to give you all these insights into dentistry. And I tell my kids, mom is writing a book. And I, let me tell you, every night, my son would say, I haven't seen you written anything. Oh, my. Right. And I said, well, tonight, it's, I would give him some excuse. But it's because when you're writing, sometimes you have to be in the mood, right? Right. And if I can't really find that inspiration at that moment, I'm, I'm sort of going to skip. But he would remind me every day. I just went to Austin and I said, well, is there almost three hours fly on my way there? I'm going to write my book. And they all look at me, all three of them. They really? So guess what? On my flight over to Austin, I was working on my book because it's almost like they were challenging me. Right. And the reason I'm saying that is because your support system, which in my case would be my family, my kids, your support system sometimes will let you know where yeah. you should focus. They're the people you do things for, they're the people you love. I mean, even let's say you're not married and you don't have a big family, maybe you have a project, maybe you have an organization that you dedicate your time to. And that organization, that's where you get the support. And they're going to be the one that help you find that clarity where you should put your time. So we all have 24 hours in the day. What I do is I make time for what I believe is most important. I make time for the people who are most important. And I try not to break those promises with myself. Yeah. You know how you're in clinical practice and patient no show. Patient has an appointment and they no show. And my friends would all be bitching about it right. because patient break the appointment. And then I'm coaching them as a client and I said, well, you just broke your own appointment. You told me you're going to write a chapter in your book and you no show. And I said, that goes right back to whether or not you're living in congruence with your best self, what yes. you think is most important. If you want to hold other people to keep their promises, then you have to keep your own promises to yourself. Mm -hmm. And it just gives a different perspective to people. And that's what I hope to convey is whatever you do, if you get into that kind of mindset and that's how you rationalize why you should do certain mm -hmm. things, 
If you do that for your family, you do the same thing for your business. If you put other people first because right. you have that big heart, then you do that in all scenarios. It's very easy to say no to something that doesn't match in values with you. Mm -hmm. Even if it sounds good, even if it sounds like fun, it's very easy for you to say no. And I think you can minimize distraction that way. And you can just make your life same 24 hours, but you do more of what you want, of what's most meaningful to you. And then once you make that decision, this is the other hard part with entrepreneurs, is not to have those regrets. Make the decision and just live with it. It's easier said than done, but the sooner you can do that, the better it would be. Because I can't tell you how many clients that I coach that that's one of their big things. Yeah. You know, I'm missing time with my kids and I'm stuck in the office. And I would tell them, when the last patient leaves, you are not stuck. You choose to stay there. Exactly. Nobody makes you stay there. So you should just go home. And the next day, you write charts faster. I don't yeah. know. I don't right. Know no, exactly. Saying. I write my chart right. notes very quickly. Yeah. And it's very black and white. Right. And it's very black and white for you. And I see that you're keeping other people and your clients accountable, which is great. But it seems so easy. And I love that your family called you on it as well, because it just goes to show you <laughs> that you are what you said. You use that term congruent. You are what you say you're going to do. So you do it in your dental practice, but you're also doing it with some of the things in your own life. And so much so that when you're not, your kids are picking up on that. Which brings me to this question I'm going to throw in too, because I joke with some of my friends that I am a tiger mom because I'm just... I just like things done in a very timely manner. And uh -huh. I'm very black and white when it comes to, no, you shouldn't be doing this. Yes, you should be. Right. And talking from one Asian woman to another, do you see yourself like that with your kids? I mean, I'm very strict with my kids, but at the same time, I had learned and I talked to them about everything that I'm going through and what I see that they can either cut back on time or be more efficient. Do you see yourself like that? Do you think of yourself? And is it a negative thing? Or is it something like, no, I mean, my kids picked up on this and that's why they are who they are. What are your thoughts about that? I'm very proud to say I am not a tiger mom. <laughs> I read the book and I did think that she's a little crazy. I'm one of those people. Well, number one, personality type. I'm the Kobe index. I don't know if you know that, but I'm a quick start. So I'm one of those people that I like to try different things and I'm spontaneous and I'm not very structured. So, for example, if I go to work and we work from 9 to 1, take a lunch, and then we go home at 6, I don't really care what's going on from 9 to 1 as long as I get a lunch at around 1, 1 And then we take a lunch break and then we come back, organize chaos again, and then we go home at 6. I don't care for, okay, the patient has been waiting in the office for two minutes. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Once I get the patient in, it's going to be, yeah, get the patient out. So I'm just not that detail-oriented. I'm big picture. When I'm doing the dentistry, as far as running the business, it's not so much. And so same thing with the kids. Your homework, you need to be done by 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. If you're going to mess around, I still want it done by 8 p.m. My expectation with them is more, if you can get an A, but you get a B, I expect next time for you to get an A. Now, if you can only get a B, I don't push. My kids are funny. They would tell me, we are the only ones who don't have tutors. And I said, why do you need tutor? Well, all of our friends have tutors to be ahead. Uh -huh. <laughs> so they have tutors not because they don't They're understand. They're falling behind, they yeah. To stay ahead. And I think those are probably more tiger moms. I'm not like that. However, there are certain things that I'm very strict on. 
for example, I don't let the kids go out with their friends, teenagers, without a parent and somebody chaperoning or whatever. And to this day, my daughter still say, we are the only ones that cannot go to the mall without friends. Because <laughs> if they say they're all going to go to the mall, I would say, whose mom's going to be there? And they said, nobody. And I said, okay, then I'm going to be the mom. I take oh, her so to the mall and I would walk with them. I mean, I don't walk with them. Sure. I just walk behind them. But that's just me. Those are the things that I'm not negotiating. Yeah. And, and they understand that when their friends ask, it's funny, like the friends would ask my middle son, and then he would ask Jennifer, the oldest daughter. And Jennifer would say something like, I'm pretty sure mom's going to say no, but you can ask. <laughs> And then when he asked, and I said, no, she said, see, I told you. I told you she was going to say yeah. no. And then the, the other thing, which is really funny, I told them there's no boyfriend and girlfriend until you're in college. That's a very Asian thing, I know. And so one time I remember we were taking a road trip with me and my husband in the front and the three kids in the back. And they were saying something about a girl and a boy. And I said, what was mom's rule? And one of the boys said, no boyfriend or girlfriend until you're in college. And I was feeling pretty good because, mm-hmm. hey, remember. What I'm trying to say is when you instill those values, whatever beliefs you have, the family beliefs, and you're so strong about that, you can get the kids to follow you and they start preaching that to their friends. I don't think it's so much being a tiger mom. It's what you do that show what you believe in. Yep. What are your values? Because I think sometimes you can just say something once and the kids will get it because of how serious you are. I do see that with the parents around me. Sometimes they're very pushy with their kids. And, you know, my kids, they know that I'm not pushy. They know that at the end of every quarter or whatever, they're supposed to show me their grades. And I ask them about their grades all the time, but I'm not on top of them. I don't have them studying day and night. They all have to learn the piano. For me, it's more discipline. I put all three of them in Taekwondo. That's a forced way of exercise. They didn't want to go exercise. <laughs> so I said, all right, I'm just going to put all of you guys in all three of you in Taekwondo. And they all got to the black belt. So for me, what I want to teach them is more self-discipline. That is something that we're supposed to do. We're going to do it. We just have to do it. Don't question. Don't ask. There's value in it. That's why mom or dad want you right, to do that. Right. So I don't think there's anything wrong with being a tiger mom. Mm-hmm. I would question why. Why do you need your kid to get to all this? Or why do you have to go that to that extreme? Be, because you could still get your point across and without having to go to that extreme. Right. But sometimes they do it because there's no good reason, though. You know, I want this for status. So what does that status bring? You know, what does that status bring to the kid? Those kind of questions that actually ask you about your values. It's not the external values. It's the intrinsic values of your family and of your life. Mm Hey friends, this is Charles with NOCO FM, the podcast network and streaming radio station dedicated to creating diverse shows just like this one and the numerous others that we help produce. We hope you'll consider becoming a supporter on Patreon, which helps us pay our hosts, produce more shows, and allows us to give back to nonprofits in Northern Colorado. Not only do you become part of our community, but giving also gets you access to an incredible selection of exclusive content from all of our creators, starting at just $2 a month. To get started now, just visit noco.fm slash patron and sign up. Once again, that's noco.fm slash patron. Now, 
back to the show. Talk to me a little more about the Emily Latran Foundation. How did you decide to create something to now give back and within your own world as well? I go to a business conference called CEO Space, and they always talk about different ways to run a business. And a big part of that, of what they teach, is the nonprofit. And so for me, it's all about leverage. Because me, by myself, I can only do so much. With other people's help, I can do a whole lot more. So that's one of the reasons why I create the nonprofit because I can get funds, I can get donations. I can do the dentistry in my office. It's just one day of you still have the overhead and the cost, but you're not making money. And we like to tally at the end of the day, oh, we gave away $15,000 worth of dentistry. Why? Because it makes us feel good. We know the value of the work that we do. The foundation, it positions you as being serious. That's how sometimes people judge you. And then the other thing is, it forces you to run it as a business, like you see it as a business. That's only if you want to, because you can certainly just do a free day of work and you don't, you don't need sure. to create a foundation. But for me, and that's the leverage part. So if I were to talk to my friend and say, hey, let's say I go to Colgate and I say, I want a hundred toothbrush for free. Just for example, it's because of my foundation it's going to be a little bit easier to ask them for that mm-hmm. under the name of the foundation than just say, oh, Dr. LeChan's office want to give oh, away 100 toothbrushes, right. right? So that give us the leverage. And that's why I think when I coach people in high-performance coaching, it's all about being the best version of yourself and are you fulfilling your God-given potential? Wherever you are, I know you can always get a little better. And that's what I want to challenge and coach my clients is you're doing really well, but what's the next step? And a lot of my clients, they're running million-dollar practice or whatever it is. The next thing is, what do you do to give back? And they would say, yeah, we want to do a foundation, you know, nonprofit. And I said, why don't you do it now? Because I went to my very first CEO space conference. One of my long-term goals was to create a nonprofit and to write a book. My immediate goal when I first went to that conference was to get a loan for my commercial building project. I left the conference after a week. I have a nonprofit, and I started writing a book. The intention was there. So I think people say, I want to give back. I think the best way to keep them, quote, accountable is say, why don't you create a nonprofit? Like, why don't you give it a structure? Because one is the structure, and there's a name or a logo or whatever associated with it. Then you take it a little bit more seriously, and you can also get more support from people around you, whether it's a a donation or somebody says something nice for you. And when I started the nonprofit, I called up Frank Shanguitz. He is the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I also met him at CEO Space, and I Mm -hmm. just say, hey, Frank, you know, how do you do the foundation, et cetera, et cetera. And then he sent me a whole statement endorsing my nonprofit. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's on my website. It's really cool because... We had that picture standing next to Frank Shangwood. And now we met each other several times since then. One of the several members of CEO Space has made a movie about him. And I think he'll be nominated for the Oscars. Oh, wow. That's uh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think about it, if you can put yourself in those circles, in those conferences or whatever, where you meet these people who are doing so much good for the world, 
your ambition goes up a little higher. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have ambition to give back, that's absolutely gold. Yeah, I think it pushes you intrinsically as well. Right. How do you find some of these opportunities? You know, you talked about CEO space. I believe your son went to CEO space, right, that one time with you. How do you find these events and meet these people? I mean, I've seen you at events to connect to people. And I mean, it's incredible to watch because you're really interested in people and learning about what they do. But you don't waste time at these events. You're really like, I'm here and I need to get these things done. So my question is, how do you find these opportunities? Did you just type in CEO space? Did somebody tell you about it? And how do you meet these people so quickly? I think the two things, one is the clarity. What do you want? At this point, I'm coaching my clients. You're going to sign up for a project or you're going to go to a conference. I need to know two things. What do you want to get out of that conference? I shared this quick story with you. I went to the UK to attend a friend's conference. And one of her friends is a publisher of a magazine. And when I went to that event, I told myself, I want to meet that lady and I want to be in her magazine. So I went there, talked to her real quick, gave her my book. I came back, invited her to be on my web radio show. And right after that, she put it on her magazine. And then after that, when she came back to the U.S., I invited her to one of my meetups. She went and she spoke there, and then she invited me to go to the U.K. and ski. So all of these things are there because I set that intention. Like, I go there, I want to meet that person. So if you're very clear in what's next, what's the next step, what's the most important thing for me, I think, first of all, you just start seeing those opportunities. Whereas if you just go and... You don't really have an intention. Sometimes you miss the opportunity, That's right? That's a great point. And then the second thing is you put it out there. You tell people, I want to do this. How do I find a person who can support me, who can teach me? And an organization like CEO Space, it's very easy. You go there and you say, I'm looking for this. And they'll point you to whoever there or whoever in that group who has the connection or who can directly help you. I think a lot of us, when we don't set deadlines. So maybe we say, I want to do this, but then we don't have a deadline. Then you're not really going to do it because you don't push yourself. Like if you say, I'm going to write a book. And then you don't say, I want to write a book by Thanksgiving, just Mm -hmm. for example. Then you don't think about the book. But if you say, I want to write a book by Thanksgiving, then now you start watching the calendar. (laughs) Yes, I am in that process right now. We have deadlines. Right. Like this book I'm writing, we already have a mock cover. I went to Fiverr, I tell them to make the cover. I'm writing because it's a collaboration, so I'm writing and my friend's writing, and then I said, hey, do you think you're gonna be done when? So now we put the deadline as October 1st. And I said, as soon as we more than halfway through, I'm gonna start promoting the book. It has to get really real. And then I started talking to the editor and she said, well, I'm gonna need so much time. And then we talked to the publisher. And so we're working backwards to see. So now we're looking at three weeks to finish this so that we can have the book in our hand October 1st. And so it's the intention. If you wanna put that book out there, always reach out to your circle of friends. Because sometimes you don't know what your friends are doing. And I may just say, I'm looking for this. And then it could be your best friend who's, yeah. already, who's already doing that. Right. And then you just refer your friend to me. So. I want to use friends, not use as in use, but friends and colleagues as my support system. It's not to chit-chat. It's not to gossip. It's not just to have fun. I don't want to say, you know, I'm going to leverage our friendship. Right, right. <laughs> but if it is for a good cause, so I can do more good, 
you can be part of that, yep. then why not? Because they are your friends. So you've already sort of vetted these people and you trust them. So it makes it a lot easier. Right. And I just seek people out. I was sharing at the dental conference. I said, a lot of times, Somebody posts something on Facebook, I'm on this podcast, I just message the person and say, I want to be on your podcast. Like I did with you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, come on the podcast. And it was funny because I was speaking at the conference and the guy who ran the conference, he said, I can totally vouch for that. She was bugging me to invite her as a speaker. You know, here's a funny story. I had reached out to him last year and I said, I should be on your stage. Uh And he said, you already had enough speakers. And I said, okay, then you should keep me in mind for this year. And then one of our very good friends, Sherry Matthews, is one of his patients. One day she just messaged me and she said, I was telling my dentist about you. And I said, who's your dentist? Dr. Torn. And I said, oh, that's nice. Tell him I need to be on his stage. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and the next thing is we reconnect and I'm on his stage. And But see, that would not have happened if I didn't ask him first. Now he said, this person is serious. She asked me since last year. He's asking me again. This patient is saying that she's actually a pretty good speaker. So she said, you should put her on your stage. So I don't want to say that it's planting seeds per se. What it is, is I say, put your purpose out there. Mm -hmm. Tell people, this is what I want. This is what I want to accomplish. And if they have that same purpose like you, if Mm -hmm. they see that you're trying to create values, They'll support you. The next time something happens, something come up that they know that you could benefit from, they'll connect you. Yeah. And then you do the same thing. And I think that's how we all grow. What they say that the higher tides just lift up all the boats. But sometimes it could be across industry. And so it's more about always having that intention, putting it out there to get the support. And then people also know, oh, she actually mean it. That's all she talks about. That's all she does. She actually is serious about this, so let's just get behind her and help her. And that's how I get to meet so many people, and that's how I get a lot of support. I think I'm just out there talking about it all the time. Yeah, but it's true. Like, you do have to put yourself out there because if you don't speak it, nobody knows, and you never know who's going to know that next connection for you to then push the needle forward. And it shows. It shows how important it is to you. So going back to just you bringing up your kids and you giving back to your own dental community and back to entrepreneurs, because even with your coaching business too, and even your speaking, your engagements, I feel like everything that you do, you are giving back to people because you've paved the way and you're sharing some of the things that you've learned. So what along your journey has been one of the most memorable connections or stories that may have impacted you? And why you continue to do what you do? There are a lot of people along the way that give me feedback, letting me know that I'm doing the right thing, per se, that help them change their lives. I would say one of the most recent stories, and it's not even a story, I went to Australia and I spoke, I put on a small event and it was sponsored by a brokerage company. They help people buy dental offices. I spoke there and there was one member of that company sitting in the room. So then the next day I was speaking at a dental conference and it was for women. It's called Dentistry by Women. It was in Gold Coast, Australia. Then I went home and usually when I speak, several people would come up to me and say, you touched my heart and et cetera, et cetera. But then I got this message on LinkedIn and the message was from one of the brokers from that brokerage, she never met me. 
So she just sent me a message and she said, Dr. Tron, I wanted you to know that today there's a dentist who came in who said she wanted to buy a practice. And she told this broker that she'd been thinking about this for so many years, but once she heard it from me, she heard me speak at dentistry by women, now she's really determined to go buy her dental practice. Oh, wow. And she just said, I thought I let you know that you impact people. And if you think about that, I don't know the dentist. I don't even know this book. Right. <laughs> but this book realized that impact. And she actually took the time to reach out and tell me because she didn't have to do that. She wasn't the broker who was in the room. So I would say I have a lot of tearjerker stories to tell people about how much you can change people's lives and how you can touch people's lives. But I think the better way to look at it is you will never know the extent of your touch or your impact. What you want to think is I want everybody to know that what you do impact lives, especially if you're doing it with intention. You don't need to know that, oh, I should talk to you and I can help you. Maybe I help you solve that problem and then you go and you do something else that impact a lot of other lives. It may be just one thing I say, like this one doctor. Imagine now she want to go buy a practice. She's going to change her family. She's going to change her income. Maybe once she has her practice, she want to go do some free dentistry. I mean, you can't even imagine how much impact there is. And the other thing is, you know, just take time and let people know how much you appreciate. Because sometimes I think that's the only encouragement people get. I love Especially that. when they're out doing this kind of work. Like yeah. you're giving back or maybe you're speaking and you tell a story. It's maybe 10, 15 people come up to me and tell me, yo, that's a great story. Yesterday I gave my talk and at dinner, several people were complaining that their eyelashes were falling out. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they were telling me, it's all your fault. You make me cry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if they cry, whatever I say that that touch them, it's going to stay with them a little longer. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to go home and maybe they share the story. Maybe they go to the office the next day and they're nicer to the patients, mm -hmm. right? They're kinder to their colleagues. And that's what we're striving to do. We're striving yeah. to create impact, whether it's direct or indirect. It is true. And I feel like some of the people that I know, because they are making impact, is because of what you just said. It's their intention. They're putting themselves out there, just being who they are, sharing what they do. And that's all they have. They don't care about any accolades or any kind of feedback, but they're doing right. it because they want to do it. And then the next point that you made too was that you might not ever know what you're doing, but it doesn't matter to these people making impact because they don't care about what impacting others. They just know that there's something in them that they need to get out there because whoever it touches, it's going to touch. And it's not even that goal of touching somebody. It's just the fact of this is super important to me. And if it's important to me, hey, maybe it's going to be important to somebody else. But then I like even your third point, too, of also if you've been touched by something, giving that input back to the person that has touched you because you don't have to go out of your way to do it. But sometimes that might be the only thing that they do here. And you never know what point in their life that they are in or where they're sitting 
maybe you giving them that feedback just gave them a little bit more of that oomph to continue what they're doing as well, right? Because you never know. Yes, these people are inspirational. Yes, these people are motivational. But you never know if what even you say has given them a little bit more of just that drive to continue doing what they're doing. So man, I mean, there's a lot of wisdom there in what you just shared. You just dropped a lot of wisdom and in just a small little story, like you said, oh, it's not even really a story, but it's true. Some of the points that you pulled out of that. I do want to make a point, and this is something that I learned from CEO Space, because as individuals, as entrepreneurs, we all have family to support. So I think our first responsibility is to take care of the family. So you need to create a business that gives you profit. And then you create a, quote, side business, and this could be your nonprofit. And then you devote whatever time, like, okay, for me, it's one day a month. For you, it could be one trip a month or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that's the time when you just give and you don't care about the pay or whatever the return. And if you can operate like that, there's never a struggle about, I need money. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes there are people who say, oh, I want to start a nonprofit. And they go all in, but they don't have a business structure. That's why I say you need to approach it from a business kind of Mm -hmm. view. If you run a nonprofit, technically you should get paid, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. You get compensated. So that's how you're going to sustain your life. And you can work for the nonprofit. Some of us are creating it sort of like a side business thing. And and we don't need to draw any kind of income from there. We may put our money in. We may get donations to put in. So whenever you want to give back... Take some time, learn different structures so you can do it as a fulfillment for your heart. You can do it without sacrificing your money or your family time or things that you should have given to your family and you give to the nonprofit. I think you understand what I'm saying. And when you do that, you can sustain it much longer. You can grow it and then you get more people to support you in running that nonprofit. Because sometimes I talk to people who want to create a nonprofit and they start it, but then they can't raise the funds and there's nothing to generate income. At some point, they just abandon it. But that's what's fulfilling their soul, right? That's the part that they like to do. If you want to give back, treat it just like a real project. Treat it like a job. Treat it like a business. And you're going to be more successful. I love that. I love just learning that because you totally mixed the business part and the wisdom of running a business and making a profit with the heart and soul of giving back and how people can get confused with that because a lot of people have that urge that they want to give back, but you have to be smart and you have to also understand the importance of the business as well. And like you said, to really to feed your family and to take care of your family first. So it's family first. And then going off of that urge and that heart to give back after that. Thank you for allowing me to do that. I think my recommendation for anybody, you want to run a successful business, you want to give back, is really to invest the time and the money to study. I think You owe that to yourself to make life better in a very predictable way. Most people don't become successful by chance. They either have learned the way, along the way, they go to school or whatever it is, training. And that way you're not going to waste time. You're not going to get frustrated. You're not going to give up because if you're studying, if you're learning, you know there's other ways. Whether you're learning from your peer or you're learning from a program, I want people to treat life after 
school, so your entrepreneurial mm-hmm. real life, just like real school. Take it seriously. Invest the time to better yourself so you can do a better job. And if anybody likes, they can go and download my ebook. They can go to exceptionalleverage.com forward slash business report. And what it is is an ebook that it actually share my story, some of the story that I've been sharing about my personal life coming here to the country, and some tips on how to run your business, how to grow your business, nice. how to overcome difficulty. Because until you have a good business, it's going to be very hard to give back as much as you want. And everybody got to start there. You take care of yourself, you take care of your family. Then you can go and take care of the rest of the world. I love it. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World, and thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO FM.